It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me. They're run by an alum of Auburn, and they have the greatest variety of restaurants to order and get your meal delivered throughout Auburn and Opelika. And if you're looking to have your family meal delivered in less than 40 minutes, go no farther than to Fetch Me. Fetch Me has a great selection of anything you want, including your favorite restaurants, groceries, coffee. They'll even do your dry cleaning, people. So, Fetch Me being the best in business, go to FetchMeDelivery.com or use their app and use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackaby, joined by my good friend, Painter Sharpless. Hello, sir. How we doing? We're good. And Michael Pappas. You're so far from the mic, but that is okay. Whoa! It's Friday! Painter, uh, on, on the Thursday show, the, the theme of it was, we're on to Ole Miss. Hey, we're on to Ole Miss. We're on to Ole Miss. Look, good team. <laughs> They've obviously beaten no one. They're one-dimensional offensively. They've stopped no offense. Great opponent. Really, really need to be in tune for this one. And also, Are you uh, quoting Gus Malzahn? So on Tuesday, Gus would lead you to believe that this was a good team. And I'm fine with it. I get it. Coaches don't want to make waves. This is not a good Ole Miss team. As the spread would indicate, Auburn should win this game. They ought to come out, I think, really kind of angry after the way they lost that game. I don't see how this Ole Miss team, in all seriousness, can stack up against Auburn. What do you think uh, is more true of Malzahn? What he spoke of, you know, Ole Miss being a good football team? Or uh, what he said in the preseason about Joey Gatewood being a big part of the offense. I guess I would assume hey, Joey Gatewood. We're on to Ole Miss. We are. <laughs> we're on to Ole Miss. I think I would assume that he at some point <laughs> thought he'd be using Joey Gatewood. There's no part of me that actively believes that he thinks Ole Miss is a cumulative good team. Like if you put the special teams together, if you put every unit of the right. defense and every part of the offense together and you take all three of those groups – you go, that's a good team. So maybe he thinks they could lose like they did to Tennessee last year, but they're not a good team. Losing to them doesn't necessarily they're, mean that they're good. They're average. I don't know. Yeah. They're right. average. Uh, coming up on the show, Justin Ferguson is going to join us, and he's going to preview the Auburn basketball scrimmage that is happening tonight. A lot of excitement about that. But before he gets here, we'll chat about uh, Ole Miss. And I got a, we, got a few, uh, we got a few voicemails to get to. Painter, have you been on since we've had a, had the voicemails? Once. I think the first time we did it, and I believe we had a great response after the LSU game, right? Yes. Seems like that would be the case. Well, he, here, here's our favorite one so far. This happened okay. actually right after the LSU game. Hey, guys. Look. What are your thoughts? <laughs> That's it? Yeah, you want to hear it again? Hey, guys. Look. Cracks me Just up. Just couldn't, like, started, uh. started to talk about the pain. They always say you should open up, and then uh, couldn't do it. Yeah. Hey, and if you want to call us before, during, after the Ole Miss game this weekend, 205-502-4285. All right, we got, we got two, uh, two legitimate ones to, to get to. Here's, here's the uh, – you want to go the longer one first or the shorter one Let's first? Go long. long. Long? Hey, guys, it's Justin. I'm in Nashville. I've lived in Tennessee my whole life, been an Auburn fan my whole life, just because of Bojack. So, as far as the coaching change goes, or possibility of a coaching change, would be better said, don't be afraid of losing out 
on okay to good, possibly great, to get consistently great from your coaching staff. I think that Gus Malzahn is a good human being. I think Gus Malzahn is a good coach. I think what he is without a transcendent talent at quarterback is an eight-win coach in this league. That's what I think. For the money that Auburn pays him, he has to be a bottom-line ten-win coach every year. And might be this year. Not saying that you fire him this year, but the idea of who do you go get? Oh, come on, man. I don't know. The next version of the greatness coach, I don't know the answer. I just know that you can't be afraid to be bad to get great. And I just, as an Auburn fan, I would like to be in the conversation every year as a national title contender. Love, love the podcast, guys. Thanks. Uh, I will not take any sort of coaching advice from anyone who lives in Tennessee because you should know just from the big state school where you live, firing a coach and going and getting another one doesn't necessarily mean that your team is going to get better. Yeah, Tennessee has well, been. I, I do get the argument of where he's coming from. Of okay, do you want to be above average and be good every few years, or do you want to take a chance and possibly get the next big thing? I, I, I get where he's coming from, though. And I think you could argue that's kind of what Auburn did with Malzahn. Mm, I don't. I don't really agree with that. I mean, Chiswick went three and nine. That's fair. I don't. Th- I think we all can agree that the Chiswick would not have consistently gone three and nine. Yeah, but Chiswick had the you know the national championship season and then got consistently worse for the next two years. And I mean, we don't really have to go back down that road. We don't need to relive Ole Miss. 2012. We're on to Ole Miss. Do you, some, to. do you have something, Painter? Also, Nick Marshall is not a transcendent talent at quarterback. Are we doing this again? No, we're on to Ole Miss. We're not this doing this. This came back up. Dave McKinney, friend of the lunch break, brought this up because yesterday in Birmingham, a, a radio sports announcer I saw this. talked yeah. about him getting worse his second season. It is not true. If you thought that Nick Marshall was good when Auburn went to the national title with that not statistically good defense, and then you just go Nick Marshall stats into Google, it will pull up sports reference. It will compare the 2013 and the 2014 season. If you are capable of reading, 2014 <laughs> is better. Anyway. Ron Miss. I like the... Okay, he- hold on. Hold on. No, I, I don't want to do this, guys. No, I don't want to do the whole I, Nick Marshall thing. I'm not trying to argue with you, but there's a big difference between Cam Newton and Nick Marshall. Cam Newton is a transcendent talent at quarterback. Nick Marshall was a good quarterback for Auburn, but he was not a transcendent talent. I don't know, man. He was a dang good. He played defensive back, and then he took a team that threw seven passes against Tennessee. They won by forty points. I don't understand. He was almost in the Heisman voting, and he probably should have been. He should have not been. for Trey Mason. I think kind of good for Trey, but it's either here nor there. I like the the nuance of that call because one, he acknowledges that where Auburn really is. When one of the things I hear most about Auburn is this sort of unrealistic expectation about where they are in the pecking order right now, I think, of, of the national landscape. And also, there is obviously a floor for Auburn, and then there's a ceiling for Auburn. And I think a lot of people want to raise that ceiling, but there's some concern about just what Michael brought up, and that's that if you look around, sometimes 
coaching changes cause a real a real deal of instability. You don't always get better with coaching changes. It's exciting. It's sort of like the thing with the backup quarterback. Like they're usually the most popular guy on campus right. until they've made a mistake. And so I the the argument of good versus great is one that the administration and fans are going to have to wrestle with. And I think a lot of fans have had that argument and they know what they want. But the administration, it's not so simple for them. I don't have a problem with the amount of money that Auburn's giving Gus Malzahn. I think you can afford it. It's You want to compete for championships. It sends the message that you're willing to pay top dollar. What I have a problem with is the buyout. That's the problem. I don't mind that they're paying a coach who's been to a nat- two national titles, uh, three SEC championships, and is the only coach in the league to have beaten Nick Saban. Tw- like, there is real value in that. Plus, he's often doing it with talent that is not as great as LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. He's recruiting well. He's the fourth highest paid coach in the conference. So most years you should probably be the third or fourth best team in the conference. I, I, I do think, though, it is worth having a conversation about can you raise the ceiling? Can you consistently get to 9, 10, 11 wins a year? And most coaches at Auburn have not been able to do that. There was a stretch in the die era, die era where they did that. Otherwise, not so much. Malzahn's probably the next best thing in at least about every – Four years, he's getting you to Atlanta, and, and that this conference that often results in either a BCS championship or a playoff berth. Yeah. And then the final thing I would say, and this is a good point on his part because I know a lot of fans make it, is I'm a fan of this Auburn team. I care about it, et cetera, et cetera. And then it ends with the statement, I want to be competitive and compete for championships every year. That's That's a pretty common thing I hear from fans. They have been every year going into November except 2015. Now, for a lot of fans, that's not good enough because two of your biggest rivals you play in November. So not only have you lost contention by the end of the month and yeah. playing for a championship, it's because you've lost to the, the two teams everyone wants to beat the most. Mm-hmm. Do you think that possibly changes with Georgia not being at the end of the schedule moving forward? I think it's the, about the same because LSU is becoming a real eyesore for Auburn, especially where they can't win in Baton Rouge. But... It's now but that's only going to be next year, where it's LSU than Alabama. But I think that's now bleeding in together because LSU's won three straight. Yeah. And it's starting to get to the point, it's not as bad, but Georgia's really owned that series since the turn of the century. And mm-hmm. if LSU wins a couple more, it's going to start feeling It's going to that feel like way. that. You're right. So, I, I, you know, you're right, it's different. And you're right, it's not a long-term thing. I think sometime around 2025, they'll reshuffle the schedule. And I'm hoping they'll move to the pod system, but we can have a whole different podcast about that. Uh, Podcast on pods. Yeah, this this is a great. That was a really good voicemail because he hit a number of different areas and like why this is such a tough decision for and, people like Alan Green. And props to him being in Tennessee and being an Auburn fan his whole life. That's tough. That's tough. Good for him. All right, let's. Props uh, to him for not being afraid that Auburn might go out and hire Butch Jones, not actually Butch Jones, but the next Butch Jones. Yeah. All right. Here's the other one. Hey guys, Tony and Savannah. Tony. Uh, real quick, uh, before we move on to Ole Miss, uh, what would you guys think about bumping Kevin Steele up to head coach if Malzahn wants to get let go? Appreciate it. I'm sort well, of indifferent about this part. The thing that I, I just do- real, real quick, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. First off, Tony, we're on to Ole Miss. All right, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. He, he acknowledges that. <laughs> I, I know he did. Uh, so a lot of Auburn fans don't seem to get how coaching changes work. A lot of people are really thrilled with the defensive effort, as they should be, because it's one of the best in the country. But if Gus Malzahn goes anywhere, unless Kevin Steele is promoted, the staff is gone. Like That's something that's an interesting part of the coaching conversation. I hear a lot of people say bring in a new coach but keep the defensive staff. 
that won't happen. Now, that's not what Tony suggested, but yeah. I just want to make that clarification. Some Auburn fans seem to not be aware that coaches very rarely, sometimes they will hold on to someone for recruiting purposes, but they don't retain staff. They usually bring their own staff well, in. Well, Michael and I talked about this yesterday. When Malzahn came in, Rodney Garner was there. Mm-hmm. So he, he didn't have to hire a defensive line guy, still hasn't had to. And I, I kind of wonder if there are certain position guys that would survive the coaching change. I have a hard time seeing Travis Williams going anywhere. There's probably a few you could make an argument for. Uh, Williams is one, too, that you think could be an up-and-comer in the yeah. coaching ranks. And so it's like, well, you know, maybe you, you, you know, whether you promote him to D.C., I don't know. But I, I think that's that's not what Tony was saying, but I just wanted to put that out there. That And then the other – the other part of that conversation is I don't think that'll happen. Right. And, and it's a totally different program, and Baylor's actually having some success now, and they hadn't yet, but when Steele was the head coach there, it did not go well. Yeah, there, there's another element of this I want to discuss, but uh, Painter, you got to read for us first. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy, I beg to differ. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com. Dot com slash locked for a free visit to get started. Get Roman.com slash locked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. So circling back to the the, the voicemail on, on Kevin still being promoted, I, I think if Malzahn were to get let go before the season ends, I think he's the interim. But I don't think that's going to happen unless he loses to a team in Old Miss tomorrow. That we uh, that I just have a hard time, and I think you guys agree we have a hard time seeing that happen. I think he's going to finish the season regardless. So I, I don't think Kevin Steele being bumped up to interim is a relevant conversation. Agreed, and I, I don't I don't think he's that interested in doing it either. I think there's just so much more that is involved with being a head coach. Well, I, I we think, saw him go to Tennessee and interview for that the head coaching right, job. Which surprised me a lot. Same. Uh, I don't think that's something that he's dying to take on. Yeah. I think he is nearing the end of his career. Like if you told me in five years, say this, say, you know, Gus is still coaching here in five years, which that would be wild. I think eventually he would step down and Travis Williams would get promoted. How many days do you guys think we're going to talk about this next week? What? Coach. Oh, excuse me. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Coaching changes. I hope not a lot. think it'll be a ton next week this week monday and kind of tuesday we talked about lsu and coaching in the lsu game right 
We're on Ole Miss, man. Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday was a lot of uh, Joey Gatewood. And then yesterday, we just said we're on to Ole Miss for the first half of the show and then talked about coaching for the second half. And now on Friday, we're, we're on to Ole Miss and have also talked about coaching for but, the entire time. But the, the so, thing is, we are on to Ole Miss. Yeah, exactly. And then, A good team. Yeah. You know, Auburn is favored by almost three touchdowns in the game tomorrow. So if Auburn comes out and dominates the game, you think next week we, uh, we're talking about the same thing? Well, we're going to be on to the bye week. We'll be focusing on well, rest. Well, we're not. And defeating it. We're going to be focusing on ourselves. No, we're not on to the next one until the press conference on Tuesday. You're right. Damn. So right now we're still on Ole Miss. <laughs> you yeah. got me. I think, yeah, the, the Kevin Steele thing I think is probably sort of irrelevant because I think Gus finishes the season almost certainly. Like, that's not even something I'm considering. I, I mean, I, I think Gus is the coach next, next year. year. That's how I yeah. feel, too. And so I think, like, unless not only does he – I think he'd have to lose badly to Georgia and Alabama where the offenses look like they have against LSU and Florida, maybe worse, and they just get absolutely skunked at home. Mm-hmm. And I don't right. think George is capable uh, on offense of scoring enough points to make it look Not against that. Auburn's defense. Yeah, like yeah. they're not going to score 40 and Auburn's going to have a bad day and they're going to win by 30. You know, that's I don't see that. Unless, yeah, it's not happening. So here's what I'm thinking. Okay. This will actually, actually Gus not getting fired this offseason – Fits with my timeline perfectly. Are you the next head coach at Auburn? No, but okay. I'm, this is what I'm going to will into existence. All right. Graham Harrell. Most likely the whole staff is getting fired at USC after this season. Graham Harrell gets a n- nice, cushy G5 job. Lights it up for one, maybe two seasons there as the head coach. Boom. We got Graham Harrell on campus in Auburn, head coach. I would be a lot less surprised if Auburn got another member of the USC coaching staff. Clay Hilton? Clay Hilton. Because Auburn loves to hire people that that have been to Auburn. I'm just saying. If if Auburn hires Clay Helton, I'm getting a new job. Not as a head coach, but I would not be shocked if he's on the coaching staff next year. That's all I'm saying. As what? Just like classy idiot? I don't know. You're not a fan? You're not a fan of Helton? No. He's horrible. But he's an Auburn guy. That's what Auburn people are all about. What does it mean to be an Auburn man? I Uh, have, have any kind of affiliation with Auburn. That phrase is one that we could do without. Please continue with the relevant conversation. I, I, you know, I, I, what I, you I, just I, did right here in studio, not an Auburn man. I tooted. <laughs> it smells terrible. And then spent like the last hey guys. <laughs> That is amazing, whoever you are. Thank you. I'm sorry that you were clearly choked up after an ugly game of football. He, he called back, and I, gosh, I wish I remembered his name. Tweet at us. He listens every day. He's fantastic. Yeah, please tweet at us again. But he uh, he called back and he's like, my voice is a little bit better now. So uh, I went to the game. <laughs> Are you sure, sir? <laughs> I just love that he called and tried to get through it. He's like, hey, guys. And then he's like, I can't do this. And he's like, I-, I love it so much. What do you much. think he was yelling the most about during that game for his he, voice to be Didn't he say raspy. his wife had to leave? <laughs> I don't know. There were two different people on our show on the lunch break that – said that i think it was brian and russell both their wives got out of the room and left while they were watching the lsu game 
Oh, my wife was very upset with me watching watching the game. I mean, tough, you know. There's a lot of things you could be mad at the, at the team you support or you could be mad at the way it was officiated, both legitimately. Yeah, I don't feel bad about it. So Sorry, I party. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, um, I party. So where are we on the Kevin Steele thing? That's a nay for a number of different reasons. Uh, I like the idea of it. I just don't think the timeline works because he's getting close to the end of his career. And then also, I, I don't think he'd be interim because I don't think – Malzahn is going to get fired, and if he were to get let go, it would—I think it would be after the yeah. season is over. Yeah. So it doesn't really—it's not advantageous for Auburn to cut him. I at this point am very on board with it if he hires Graham Harrell as his offensive coordinator. You love Graham Harrell. I'm all about Graham. You what know, do you love Gus more, Graham Harrell or Texas? His stuff, dog. Oh, like you know, Texas, you know he's. But you know where Graham Harrell's from? He's from Texas. Yeah. Like I'd love it if they were like, "Hey, let's uh, let's go get Joe Brady," but Gus is going to keep running his stuff. That's why I think like whoever you bring in is fine. I I get the appeal you have of bringing in a guy like Harold, but and I, I think you're also saying like if Gus goes like to make him, are you? Do you want? him Oh to- no, I do not want Gus to bring in Graham Harold with Gus still on staff. So you're saying make the jump is if, if yeah. Gus goes in a year or two. I, I see. Yeah. Because I don't think it matters who's the OC if Gus is still yeah, at he's, Auburn. It's, he's going to run his stuff. But I, I think Malzahn's at Auburn next year and the following year. Honestly. I definitely think he's here next year. I'm not as willing to say the year after yet. Okay. I'm curious to see how recruiting goes, and right now it's going really well. Um, I'm curious to know how they finished the last month, because if they beat Georgia and Alabama, two things that I think are realistic, by the way, you win 10 games in the regular season. Your two losses come to right now, number six and number one in the country on the road. As inept as the offense looked, it's, I mean, you're going to feel bad about beating your two biggest rivals recruiting well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. Do you want to do the read? I'd love to. All right. Do it. I've been trying to think of a good segue for the whole show. Just, just start reading it. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. I just said that. I'm so confused. Drive the point home, brother. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to Roman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash locked. Fantastic. Well done. Let us know who you think had the read better, Painter Sharpless or Michael Pappas. We're, dr- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Joined in studio now by the one and only Justin Ferguson of The Athletic. He Justin, smiles. how are you, friend? What's up? 
Are you pumped for basketball tonight? I, I am. I'm very, very, uh, very intrigued by this roster. Um, I know it's just going to be an exhibition tonight against Eckerd, but it, there's a lot to really find out about this Auburn basketball team um, in this pretty easy non-conference schedule. And it starts with the with with this exhibition. And and by the way, I mean Auburn lost an exhibition game two years ago and still won the SEC. So this it's true. These things could get really weird. Um, but we'll we'll see, especially how they're having to sort out this roster. So what do you expect them to do from a personnel standpoint? Do you expect kind of what we'll see tonight to be the normal rotation, or do you think they're going to experiment more? Because, I mean, it sounds like with that secret scrimmage that they had with Troy, mm-hmm. uh, I guess a week or so ago, they tried a crazy amount of different personnel groupings. Yeah, I mean, I think tonight this is where you get closer using these exhibitions to, in the first half, what you're going to probably do. Okay. You might run your normal first half rotations in the in the first half. And then in the second half, if it's out of reach, uh, then start experimenting with some different lineups, uh, put some more walk-ons into the game. I mean, Auburn's got 20 guys on their roster this year once you count all the walk-ons. So, like, there's there's plenty of opportunities for guys to get into this game. What do, you think the, what do you think the relevant rotation is here? Do you think it's 9 or 10? Yeah, this is, this is where things are going to get really interesting because I, I think they're going to have a main 8. And then it's going to be, I think, situationally how you how you put out other guys. So if you go with the thought process that the the starting lineup will most likely be Javon McCormick at point guard, Samir Dowdy at shooting guard, Isaac Okoro at small forward, um, Daniel Purifoy probably at at the four uh, at the power forward spot, and then either Austin Wiley or Anthony McLemore at the five. Um, this is this is that that question mark right there is going to be interesting to me because Anthony started over Austin pretty much. You know, every most of the last two years, yeah. Um, but Austin, they're looking to Austin to be a bigger part of this offense. Um, you know, be play play a bigger role on the team this year in his senior year, and it's Anthony's senior year too. But they're already trying to play him more at the four as well. So there might be some lineups this year, there's rotations where you see Anthony and Austin on the floor at the same time. What's the benefit of Dan Gell getting more time at the four? Um, I mean, it's just kind of he. I mean, he's a natural three, right? Right, but there's a lot of guys out there on the wing, and you don't have a lot at the four. Like, yeah, I'm sure Dan Joe will play the three some when Anthony's at the four, but that's kind of that stretch four position is where they want they want Dan Joe to be role type, kind of like what they did with Chuma. That's the kind of they want to be able to still play four out. They still want to be able to have a ball handling play, you know, shooting uh, four. It's just the question I think a lot of people are going to have is how are they going to defend? Um, can he, did he step up enough to play, you know, more big men this season? And the, the counter to that is if, when you have Isaac Cora at the three, you can get a little bit more creative in how you use Dangel defensively. I think. Who do you think is going to be Auburn's leading scorer this year? Is it Javon or Samir, or is it one of the younger guys? I think Samir Dowdy's probably your best bet mm-hmm. um, because. He is he's probably he's your top scorer coming back from last season. He can hit from pretty much anywhere on the floor in terms of like he's comfortable shooting threes. He's comfortable getting to the rim. That's something that he's worked on a ton this offseason. Um he's just got a variety of ways of scoring. Whereas we haven't seen a ton from some of these other guys in terms of just being as versatile as scorers yet. Um that's probably where I was going. Javon McCormick will be interesting. I want to see how much his offensive game grows this year. They're gonna want Dangel to score a lot. Like that, that's a priority for this coaching staff. Um, so it could be him. It's just I, I like I like Samir with the best mix of you know he's the most efficient three point shooter on the team last season. Yeah, and uh, a guy who is already a pretty. 
pretty established as a slasher and uh, getting to the rim and getting a shot. When Javon is not on the floor, who do you who do you think are some candidates to take the ball down the floor? Uh, Turbo Jones is probably going to be your number one guy um, coming off the bench. I would I wouldn't be surprised to see Samir be a be a primary ball handler in some rotations this season. Um, but they are they really like Turbo and they really like what he brings to the table. And when people ask, you know, what what kind of what's his game? I'm not saying talent wise, but his style is very much a cross between Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. And the fact that he's wow. a, he's a really fast playmaker. He's 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 a but he's also got a really good jump shot from the outside. He can play that one or the two. He's a combo guard that is at home being the primary, you know, fast paced ball handler and also playing off the ball and being able to shoot. So he's gonna be fun to watch. Um it might take him a little time to get going, but I like his game because he's a great like I said, he's a great ball handler. He's a great primary point guy. But also if Auburn wants to put him in the game with Javon and start staggering up, maybe go a little bit smaller. He's a guy who can come off the ball and shoot mm-hmm. uh, as well. He's got a really good jump shot, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. If Auburn's going to make a run similar to how they've done the past two years in the postseason, they're going to need a lot from their younger guys, obviously. Right. exactly. What's a, what's a realistic timeline as far as bringing them along? Because you don't really have anybody in the non-conference that you can say, right. okay, all right, let's see how we stack up at this point of the season to, mm-hmm. to folks. I mean, your best non-conference game arguably is part of the SEC Big 12 challenge, and that's after the SEC already starts. Right, and then we'll see what NC State's like this year when they come to Auburn. Yeah, but sure. yeah, but maybe you play Wisconsin in, in Brooklyn. Mm. Other than that, it's it's a pretty light slate, and I think part of that's kind of by design for Auburn because they gotta they got to get so many guys going. Not only – I think one of the key things about this team is not only are they bringing new guys in and bringing them along, they're also having to give these older guys new roles. How does Samir Dowdy adjust to being a primary guy? How does how does uh, Daniel Pierpoy adjust to be a, pri- well, a primary scorer? Javon McCormick, you're now the starter now at point guard. Um, and then, of course, uh, Anthony McElmore and Austin Whiteley. How do you balance those guys out? They're going to have to be a, a big pieces of the offense as well because Auburn lost three of their four best three-point shooters. Yeah. And the line's back now. And and, and your best scorers are pro- – not your best scorers, but more of your scorers are guys who kind of play down low. So – what do you do in that case? And I think so. The timeline is this non-conference schedule is it's going to be kind of a wait and see mode. They're going to use some things to figure it out. Auburn should be favored or close to favored in pretty much everything they play in the non-conference. I'll make a prediction: they'll lose a game they're not supposed to lose to in the non-conference because they're still learning. Yeah. Don't panic when that happens. Um, but I think this is this is this non-conference schedule is going to be. They want to have a pretty good grip on what the rotation is going to be heading into SEC play and this is what they're going to have to figure out because there's a lot of learning on the fly yeah. especially in the early season for for this for this crew. So is the goal for some of these lesser non-conference foes I mean does Auburn need to be blowing these teams out early like should they go out and take care of business against Eckerd and I mean I, I know they play a few uh, lesser teams over the next few weeks I mean should, should Auburn fans be kind of expecting them to to win these games by 15 to 20 points yeah I mean I think I think most of the teams they're going to end up playing is they're, they're going to be able to handle them pretty easily and one of the things I, I like about this team this season is defensively they got a great makeup to them they might not be the freewheeling high scoring team that we've been used to seeing from Auburn because you don't have Jared and Bryce you don't have Chuma you don't have you got some three-point shooters but the line's back now you might have to work it down low a little bit more this season Isaac Okoro who could be your most talented player on the team 
is not really a three-point shooter. I mean, he can do it, but he, he's a very much a drive and, and you know, slash kind of three. Um, defensively, this team's going to be a whole lot of fun, and I want to see how much this season they rely on forcing turnovers and running the floor. Okay. Maybe not necessarily to shoot a ton of threes, but to get to the rim a, a lot more frequently. So I think Auburn should be fine in the early part of the season because I think defensively they should be really sound early. Um, the guys they got coming back are all pretty solid defenders we'll figure out what Daniel Purifoy looks like at the forward spot but you can do a lot worse than building a team around guys like Samir and, and Javon who were really good at steal percentage last season and then guys like um you know Anthony who went went on is a great rim protector Austin Wilde is a great defensive rebounder get those guys out and run and then Okoro I'm telling you it's not the sexiest thing to talk about when you're talking about basketball, but Auburn fans, watch Isaac Okoro play defense. It is going to be really, really fun to watch. If you want to know kind of the the inside, uh, some of the advanced kind of stuff about basketball, watch Isaac Okoro play defense on and off ball because he is he's, he's one of a kind, really. Pearl has said it. He's only had one other player like him, and he was the Division II National Player of the Year uh, when he was at Southern Indiana. I a core can guard one through five. Yeah. And to do that when you're 18 years old is very, very tough to yeah, do. Yeah, that's special. No yeah. doubt about it. All right, Justin, I mean, kind of based on how you, you or who, who's, uh, whose power rankings you're looking at, a lot of folks expecting Auburn to finish about fourth or fifth in the conference. Right. What, what What's your take on that? And who, uh, who should Auburn fans be kind of looking out for this year? So I voted in the, uh, in the LACC, the media vote, and I had Auburn at, at fourth as, as okay. well. Um, I think Kentucky and Florida are the class of the SEC right now. Kentucky, they have that mix of uh, – they still have all the one-and-done talent coming back, but they got they got really good players coming back like Ashton Hagens, uh, like uh, – um, uh, not P.J. Washington, but the other guy that uh, – Reed. I'm, yeah. Uh, no, uh, I'm blanking. I'll, I'll figure it out in a second. Uh, E.J. Montgomery is, oh, is, yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. who I was thinking of. They got guys they can build around, and those are usually the better ones of Calipari's teams whenever he's not having to do a complete reset. Yeah. Florida is going to be stacked this year. They got a lot back. Kerry uh, Blackshear is an All-American uh, that is transferring in yeah. uh, uh, to, to them. They got a really good recruiting class as well. So they've kind of separated themselves. Then there's a tier of like where everyone else is kind of like they've got a, they've got good foundation and great coaching. They got to figure it out. Uh, Auburn is one of those. How do you go without Jared and Bryce and Chuma? It's sure. going, it's going to be a while to figure that out. Tennessee's going through the same thing right now. Both Bruce Pearl and Rick Barnes are excellent coaches. They've got good. They got really good recruiting classes last season coming in. Tennessee might have lost a little bit more because how much of their offense went through uh grant williams and uh and admiral schofield and they also lost jordan bone as well and then there's lsu which lsu has the talent i think to make a run at the sec title but who knows what lsu is going to be like this year with all the will wade stuff um they've got a really really good team yeah um even though they lost a couple of their main guys so Auburn's in that tier right now. Yeah, I was about to say LSU lost like most of their best players, did they not? They returned a good. They returned like four or five like key contributors. But yes, they lost Tremont Waters and Nas Reed and uh, uh, Bigby Williams. Uh, they're they're big guys, but they bring back pretty much everybody else in their in their main rotation last season. Uh, Trenton Watford is 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 on that team now. They're going to be a really good basketball team, depending on what all happens around them with kind of the noise. Then it just kind of drops off from there. There are really good tournament teams coming back, like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, where you feel like, okay, they should be able to be solid this season. But, like, 
Do they have – they don't have the star power some of these other teams. They don't have – they haven't quite reached the heights of the Auburns and the LSUs and the Tennessees. What about a team like Georgia? I mean, don't didn't they get a, a yeah, really talented so, guy in? So Georgia – Georgia and Alabama are going to be the two most fascinating teams in the SEC this year, I think. Georgia because you have Anthony Edwards. Uh, and if you don't know who Anthony Edwards is, top three recruit depending on who you look at. Probably going to be a lottery pick next season uh, pretty easily. Georgia's – roster is pretty much all brand new okay and, and tom green's a really good coach he's in his second season there's been some foundation laid there how good can you be off of that and then alabama there's four new head coaches in the sec this year and nate oates i think is the most exciting one of them uh he's going to play a brand of basketball that's very similar to what auburn's done under bruce pearl and he's stepping into the best situation because the roster he inherits is much further ahead than the likes of a&m and vanderbilt and arkansas so I think, and they didn't get uh, Quinterly. Quinterly didn't get cleared. The the Villanova transfer that they were really hoping for. I still think Alabama's got a shot to make it to the tournament this year. Right off the bat with Nate Oates, they've got a lot of weapons coming back this year. So they're a little bit step behind because you don't you they don't have the foundation of an an Auburn or a Tennessee or an LSU. Um, but yeah, Georgia and Alabama have the have or have the best chance to upset that balance mm-hmm. up there in the in the top of the league um this season and we'll see i think i think uh i think auburn if you pick auburn fourth i know auburn fans were there's a lot of auburn fans that were like how dare they pick us fourth we just won the we went to the yeah, final, final four, four. we yeah. went to the final four and i was like listen guys listen you just lost three of the best players you've ever had okay you yeah. lost two very key rotation pieces if not starters along with it there's gonna be a lot different on this team this season also you finished fifth in the sec last year and went to the final four so People actually think you could be "quote unquote" better yeah. in the regular season this season, and, and still be after losing all that. So it's not and odds are if you make the tournament, your road to the Final Four will be easier than it was last year. If you get fourth in the if you get fourth in the SEC in the regular season, you get a double buy for the tournament, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And fourth in the SEC, you're probably a top sixteen seed in the tournament. You're you're going to be a top four seed. Um, you know, come come March Madness, that is what you want to be at. Could Auburn click and be higher than that this year? Sure. I mean, I think a lot's going to depend on how good guys like Okoro are yeah. uh, early. Um, could they drop off a little bit? Yeah, but I think this team is still very much a tournament team. It's going to be a work in progress, though. I think Auburn fans just need to be patient, especially in this non-conference schedule, because there might be some games where they blow out teams and you're not learning a lot, and there might be some games where you should be blowing out teams you're only beating them by single digits, and, and people are going to wait, 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 what's going yeah. on? Pearl's got a lot to a lot of work to do with this with this crew. A lot of teaching he's still got to do, and a lot of adjustments have to be made. Justin, where can people uh, find uh, find and hear all of your stuff? You can uh, follow me on Twitter at jfergusonau. Read my stuff at theathletic.com. Um, yeah, on Twitter I'll have the substitution rotations up again starting tonight. So I know a lot of people like enjoy that, and you can listen to me on the lunch break most weekdays. I'm on here. If not, Michael's filling in for me. Right. We always appreciate that. Uh, from 11 to 1 on ESPN 106.7 and ESPNAU.com. Cool. Thanks for uh, thanks for helping me out today, but I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take the over in the Auburn game. What What's it at? Uh, 52 and a half. All yeah. right. Yeah. Taking the over? All right. Fantastic. Michael, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Follow me on Twitter at CouchPavTato and uh, in the Action Network app. Sweet. And you'll be... Uh, Live on ESPN 167 after the game at yes. Sky Bar tomorrow. So be sure to tune into that. Um, if you're in town or on the ESPN 167 app, you can stream it live 
for two hours following the game. You can follow Painter on Twitter at Paint Sharpless. Of course, he's on the lunch break as well. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast hey Network, your team every day. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait, find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.